Thanks for coming in, Mr. Mahoney. Do you have your member ID card? Yep, I have it right here in the FEP Blue app. See? Great. It's can I... awesome. The app can also help me find a provider and keep tabs on my deductibles. Okay, can I... Oh, yeah, and my out-of-pocket spending and visit limits, and I can call the nurse line. I'm really glad it does all that, but I only need to see your member ID card. Oh, that's it? Why didn't you say so? Fearless is just one tap away. With the new FEP Blue app from Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you can access your health benefits on the go. Download it now at fepblue.org app. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And you are Locked On the Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com. I've been covering the Packers full-time since 2008 for Scout.com. And like we did yesterday in our first edition of Locked On Packers, we're leaning off with drug talk. In case you were living under a rock... On Monday, the NFL said that if Clay Matthews and Julius Peppers do not submit to interviews regarding their performance-enhancing drugs investigation by August 25th, they'll be suspended indefinitely on August 26th. Not surprisingly, there were no sign of Matthews and Peppers in the locker room on Tuesday, but GM Ted Thompson did address the topic, sort of. He came out with some prepared remarks, leading off with, quote, It's kind of as simple as pie. We're going to support our players. We've always supported our players. We will continue to support our players. This is no different in this case. I will have nothing further to say on this matter. Well, we didn't let Thompson off the hook that easily. We asked him five more questions, and and honestly, not a whole lot came out of it. He said there's no contingency plans specifically for the position because they have contingency plans for every position. And clearly, they don't want to lose those guys. But, you know, Thompson's got their backs, and that's basically as simple as that. So, you know, I think the feeling around the league is this is obviously not among the league, but I mean, writers and, and fans that this is just yet another another power grab and in, in, in a continuing list of power grabs by Commissioner Roger Goodell, you know, the the commissioner and judge, jury, executioner of the league. And, you know, if the players are at the, you know, Ultimately, I don't know what the I don't know I don't know what the what the recourse here is for Matthews and Peppers because really I mean they're at Goodell's mercy. I mean Tom Brady. Let's go to Deflategate for a bit here. You know Tom Brady was able to kick the can down the road a little, a little bit. He won some. You know he won a few legal cases and and, and but you know I mean well, he's suspended for the first four games of this season. So I mean, I'm not sure I'm not sure the victory there for 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 Brady and the Patriots and I and you wonder. If there's any recourse for Matthews and Peppers and, and the NFLPA, probably more importantly the NFLPA, and shoot, I mean they're just gonna have to go through this at some point. Otherwise, you know maybe Matthews and Peppers will play to start the season, but at some point the hammer's gonna come down, and you know could get, Goodell's basically undefeated in these things. He may eventually will get what he wants, maybe not fully what he wants, but he gets gets mostly what he wants here. So how's this gonna end? Well, like I could mention, I mean, they, I'm, I'm guessing the NFLPA is gonna consider taking this to court. The question here is, though, is there any actual evidence against Matthews and Peppers? I mean, as you know, this all started with a Al Jazeera documentary in, in which some former anti-aging intern said that he hooked up with Mike Neal and Neal brought along Matthews and Peppers and other members of the Packers. So is there actual evidence that any of this happened? Is there some sort of paper trail that the NFL has and they want to talk to him? Does the NFL really want to talk to Mike Neal first here and see what he says? Does he want to play gotcha with those guys and see if you know if they're all saying the same things? I, mean, I don't know. But for the first time, at least in my thinking, I think there's a real possibility that these guys get suspended. You know, for the you know, I was talking to guys about this at camp at the sort of camp. I just thought 
my original inclination was this is just a dog and pony show by the NFL to show that that they're taking performance enhancing drugs seriously and they're going to investigate stuff. But ultimately, they weren't. Nothing was going to come out of it, and I think that's kind of what I, I thought that's what the league wanted. But you know, sometimes I'm wrong, and I think I'm wrong on this one. The NFL's really putting on an effort here, and it'll be interesting to see if if Matthews and Peppers cave under the pressure. You know, I, I did get one question on this, and it, it, it is a very logical one, and is and it's this one: If they're innocent, why not participate in the, in the investigation and cooperate and do the do the inter- interviews at the league? Well, here's my response to that. A, that makes sense. But B, let's say the police knock on your door and they accuse you of something. And they want to go investigate it. Can we go look through your house and see something? Well, no. <laughs> you, you have no search warrant. You have no proof. Go away. I mean, that, that, that would be my response. And that's about the closest I can get to what the NFLPA is doing here. Assuming that Matthews and Peppers are innocent here, and you know, like, like I told you yesterday, I have absolutely no idea. You have no idea. The only guys who know really are Matthews, Peppers, the other accused guys, and that intern from the aging clinic. So I, I don't know, but if they are innocent, that would be my response to that question of why don't they just do the interview? It's because part of my language here, but screw you. You know, what? I didn't do anything wrong. You've got no proof. And this isn't legal. This isn't on the up and up. Go away. So that that's that's my response to that. Okay, on to football, where the only performance enhancing drugs I'm talking about are, is caffeine, as in the caffeine you get through Thursday night's preseason game against the Raiders. Because if it's anything like the game against Cleveland, it's going to be low on excitement. But you know, let, let's go through the depth chart here and and see where these position battles are going. Because you know what, we're we're running out of time. Yeah, there's three preseason games left. There's also four practices, so we're, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty of who's going to make the team, who's not going to make the team, and those position battles of you know who's going to be active on game days and gets actually get a role in things. Starting off with the quarterback, I have a feeling Aaron Rodgers is going to start the regular season. That's just my hunch. Hummel is obviously number two. This will be his preseason debut. As you probably know, he led the preseason last year in, in passer rating. And it was pretty remarkable, too. Now, yeah, as a rookie last year, his he was I thought he was terrible throughout the offseason stuff. He was terrible to start training camp. I mean, the guy just looked like he was in over his head, and it was it was like this, you know. It, it clicked for him, and all of a sudden, it was this whole other guy who was who was suddenly confident. He's suddenly pushing the ball down the field rather than just looking for the for the checkdown. And he looks like it looked like it looks like it looked like there was a bodies getting swapped or something. And, and Hundley became this terrific quarterback. Now, let's see what he does here in year two. I mean, he, he, he was thinking his way through things last year with the playbook. Now, he's past that. I mean, he's not, he's not quite a master of the scheme, quarterback's coach Alex Van Pelt said, but his knowledge is obviously much better. Let's see how that parlays into on-the-field performance. And then there's Joe Callahan and Marquise Williams. Are any of those guys worthy of keeping on the payroll come September? I mean, I don't, I don't think they're going to keep three in the roster. But, you know, especially Callahan. Is Callahan good enough to develop as a practice squad guy and a down-the-road kind of guy? Heck, you know, I shouldn't even rule out Williams. You know, based on arm talent, man, Williams can throw that football. I mean, the, his problem is he just basically he just throws the football. I mean, he just throws it hard, and wherever it goes, it goes. Callahan's got a better feel for things. Seems to have a, you know, a better grasp of the offense. But from a pure upside performance, if you, if you could harness Williams, I, I would be, kind of be interested to see how that pans out. So I... I you know, let's see how these three preseason games pan out and see if those guys are worth keeping around. Running back, Brandon Brooks has come on. 
He's he scored. You know, I think he scored three touchdowns at Monday's practice. He's a pretty polished receiver, and you know the Packers like receivers who out of the backfield, but they also like big guys. And Brooks is five eight and change, and and John Crockett looks like an NFL running back. He runs hard. He's on most of the number one special teams. It's it's his job to lose, but I wouldn't rule out Brooks yet. Tight end, obviously Cook and Rodgers are. 1, 1A, 1, 2, however you want to rank them. And Justin Pearl, I think, is basically a lockdown number three. The guy just makes plays every single practice. He is, and it's nothing new here. I mean, he was an undrafted rookie out of Maine in 2014, and I thought he made a bunch of plays that year, too. It was the same deal in 2015. Both years he fell short of the roster, got put in the practice squad, and ended up earning late-season promotions. This is Pearl's time. The quarterback, you know, Rodgers just loves the guy. And Rodgers talks about trust all the time. You know, as, as he said, we talk about, I asked him about Perillo at, at his locker room money. He says, you know, as we talk about all the time at, in, in this circle, to use his words, you know, it, it's about preparation and trust, and, and Perillo has done that. You know, if you, if you throw the ball at Justin Perillo, he's going to catch the ball, or no one's going to catch the ball. If it's, if it's a contested ball, he'll make sure no one gets there, but... You know, the guy's got terrific hands. He's the number three. The question is, does Kennard Backman close the gap here and become number four? For his first training camp, he couldn't catch. He couldn't catch for most of this training camp. He's made some plays of late, though. Well, let's, let's see how this one pans out. Before I get back to the positional overviews, I'd like to say that this segment of Lockdown Packers is brought to you by PackerReport.com and Scout.com. Through Thursday, Packer Report members receive 15% discounts on tickets. Had a great example yesterday and a better one today. I had a guy save $260 on four tickets to one of the games this year. Considering your Packer Report membership is $10 a month, that pays for itself 26 times over. And not only do you get the ticket discounts, but you get my exclusive content, including my, during the regular season, my world's best Packer previews, which are full of stats, notes, and quotes that I guarantee you won't find anywhere else. For more details, go to PackerReport.com. And if you would like to advertise in this spot, and really you should, contact me at packwriter2002 at yahoo.com. If your company is interested in men between the ages of 18 and 44, you really should be sponsoring this podcast. Lockdown Packers is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men 18 to 44, this is your spot. Once again, email me at packwriter2002 at yahoo.com to find out more. Okay, back to football with the two deepest spots on the offense, in my mind, offensive line and wide receiver. On the old line, obviously the starting five of Lindsley, Sitton, Lang, Bakhtiari and Balaga are locks. J.C. Treader's a lock. Jason Spriggs, the impressive second-round pick from Indiana, is a lock. And Lane Taylor, especially with Sitton and Lang heading the free agency, he's a lock too, so that's eight. But I, I, can't see, I just can't see them keeping eight. When you got Lang, Sitton, Bakhtiari and Shredder all headed to free agency. I think you got to cover your butt there and keep nine or maybe even ten. The leading candidates there, Josh Walker, everybody's favorite, and by that I mean nobody's favorite, Don Barclay, and rookie Kyle Murphy. Walker was terrible at right tackle in the Arizona game, as you recall. Ended up getting benched after Balaga got hurt. But let's go back to that Rams game last year. T.J. Lang gets hurt in the second quarter, and they stick Walker in there against none other than Aaron Donald, the all-pro Rams defensive tackle, one of the best defenders in the league. Josh Walker won that battle. Donald got two tackles, no pressures, no sacks. If I got a guy who can beat Aaron Donald, I want to see more of him, so I'm, I'm keeping him. 
The guy looks like a tackle, but you know it just hasn't panned out a tackle. But he is a he's a heck of a good guard prospect, and, he, and he's shown that in the camp this summer too. I'd like to keep him around if I'm if I'm GM Ted Thompson. So that's nine. So do you keep ten? And if you're keeping ten, it goes on to Don Barclay and the rookie Murphy. Barclay was terrible last year. Coming off a torn ACL that kept him out of 2014, the guy allowed ten and a half sacks while only starting a handful of games. But you know, you, you, when you're only taking seven or eight old linemen into a game, you got to be versatile. Obviously, Treader's versatile, so you got that. You know, Lane Taylor's only a guard. Murphy's really only a guard. Berkeley at least gives you some flexibility. You know, he's played. He's basically been the center at times this year because of Lindsay hasn't practiced at all, and Jacob Flores is out with a knee, and Rotherham injured a biceps in the in the Cleveland game. You, you like a guy who can do a whole bunch of things, and he does a bunch of things. He's not a terrible player, and he gets exposed in space. I, I you know, he was a, he was a limited athlete to begin with. I don't I don't think the ACL did him any favors, but he, I think he can at least get you by in a pinch. So I, I I'm inclined to think that they might keep him, but I, maybe the key here is, is going to be the play of Murphy, who missed most of camp with a concussion, just came back this week. You know, he's he's got to make up for lost time. He's got, a, he's got a lot of rust at me, especially being he, he missed all the offseason stuff too, because or most of the offseason stuff, because he's still at Stanford taking classes. So the guy's got a lot of rust to take off. I mean, I'm sure he knows the playbook with the you know cliche Stanford guy stuff, but you know, I, I'm sure he's got the playbook down. But you know, he's it's a lot of it's it's pad level and chemistry and those kind of things that are only get built up through reps. There's not a lot of reps left. I mean, like I mentioned a minute ago, there's. Three games, but four practices left. He's, he's got to make up for lost time here. I don't know if he's got enough time, to be honest with you. And He's probably a guy who can sneak onto the practice squad if you need to. So at the end of the day, do you keep... Obviously, I think you got to keep nine or maybe ten. I think I think, I think think Walker's nine, and at this point, I would, I would lean to Barkley if you were to keep ten. All right, on the wide receiver, the final spot here. No doubt here in the top five, Cobb, Nelson, Adams, Aberderis, Montgomery. Aberderis has been... To use Aaron Rodgers' language, spectacular at times this summer. You know, I thought entering camp with I thought receiver was wide open, and I thought if there's anyone who personified that it was Aberderis who could A, he could be the number three receiver entering the season, or B, he could get cut. I thought it was that good of a spectrum with him. Well, there's no way he's getting cut. He's been a, he's had a great camp. He's a he's a great route runner. You know, he gives you a little bit of gak because he's shifty. I mean, he's not gonna uses speed or power to run away from people, but he's a little shifting, get you a little something. But but Rodgers has supreme trust in the guy that he's going to throw him the ball and he's going to get there. So, I mean, obviously, the question with Albert Harris now is, is he done enough to actually get into the rotation? Because historically, Green Bay's number three receiver has been the number three receiver. They haven't really had much of a timeshare there. I wonder if it's if Adams and Albert Harris have done enough where they might go, or even in Montgomery too, that you know that they all have a say in that thing. So, it's their deepest position on the team, perhaps. So, if those guys are your top five, and now Janice, again, I'm inclined to believe they keep Janice with the with the broken finger slash hand. So that that's six. Do you keep six receivers on the roster, or with, or with Janice hurt, does it buy you at least a few weeks to keep seven? Trevor Davis, the sixth round pick, was a house of fire to start camp. Everybody wrote about him. I did not write about him because I wanted to see if that guy could keep it up, and he is not. I mean, he hasn't been awful, but. He just it, so far he's a better shorts and helmets guy than a pads guy, but with the guy with the, with the, with his speed, 
with his run after catch ability, with his hands. I'm not, I'm not giving up on that guy at all. But he has been he has been outplayed by Geronimo Wallace. I mean, there's no doubt about that. The sixth rookie from Illinois, who's he, he didn't run well, he didn't run well at the combine. But I mean, he had a four game stretch last year with the god awful quarterbacks in Illinois, where he I think he had something like 30 catches in four games, including against Nebraska and Wisconsin. So he's a heck of a talent. I mean, the quarterbacks love the guy. Look, I mean, who doesn't love six three, right? He I mean, Rodgers routinely will just throw him the ball, and he'll go get it, and he's. He had two bad drops at Monday's practice, but I mean that's really been it. He's been solid throughout camp. So if, if I'm going to go, I don't think they're going to keep him. Though, to be honest, I think I think both those guys should try to sneak onto the practice squad, and you tr- maybe and maybe you try to get by with with Janice as your injured number six. If he's only going to be off for like a week or two, let's just say that the doctors think you know what Janice is going to be out a month. If that's the case, I'm going to go seven receivers, and I'm keeping Geronimo Allison, and I'm on. Take a gamble that I can get Davis to the practice squad. And if you know what, if you don't get Davis to the practice squad, so be it. Yeah, he's fast, but look, let's not he's not Usain Bolt fast. He's not some unheard of speed guy. He's fast, but he's not like soup he's not like flash fast, you know? <laughs> so to use one of my kids' favorite comic book friends. So I'm 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 thinking they just go with five plus Janice for six if the injury isn't too long. And if it is, maybe maybe Geronimo Allison gets that spot. And finally, an extra point. One of the things that has made GM Ted Thompson so successful during his tenure with the Packers has been his use of undrafted free agency. Thompson kind of downplayed that on Tuesday, saying, quote, It's not an exact science. We guess and stumble, and sometimes we make the right choices, and sometimes we don't. Well, it might maybe or maybe not be true that you're stumbling and guessing, but he's done well. So who's got a chance to make it this year? Here are your top five in order of chances to make the team. Not necessarily their best guys, but chances to make the team. Starting from the bottom, number five, running back Brandon Burks. The Packers like guys who can catch. He caught 90-some passes at Troy in his final three years. And he showed that ability in camp so far. He caught three touchdowns the other day. Number four, safety Kentrell Bryce. Who doesn't like athleticism? Here's a guy who's at 5'11", ran the 4'4s, jumped 40-some inches. I mean, no one's going to supplant Chris Banjo as a number four safety, but... You know, if he can show some knack on special teams, I could see Green Bay keeping five. Three, the aforementioned receiver Geronimo Allison. He's definitely worthy of a roster spot. I just don't know if there's room for him. Number two, linebacker Beniquas Brown of Mississippi State. Entering camp inside backer is one of the team's more questionable positions. And he's shown up. He's shown some run-stopping ability, some athleticism, and he'll hit, and he will hit. And finally, number one, defensive tackle Brian Price. Remember the landscape here at D-Line. With Mike, with Mike Pinnell suspended, you've got Mike Daniels and Latroy Guyon starting. And you get the two draft picks, Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry. That's four. There isn't a single other guy who's played an NFL snap. I have as much experience as these guys do. You, you know, Christian Ringo spent the last year on the practice squad. He's done some things here and there this summer. So I, it's, it leaves the door wide open for one of these undrafted guys to get through. And the best of that bunch has been... Brian Price from Texas, San Antonio, that renowned juggernaut. And that's it for this episode of Lockdown Packers, and I will talk to you tomorrow.
Is Democracy in Danger or Decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.